In this episode of the Raised with Jesus podcast, we have our sermon from this past Sunday, July 21st, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 21, and reading through verse 30. Here goes. Paul writes, <laughs> If it is necessary that I boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Any takers? Oh, me, calling me. I'm, 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 I'm impatient. I like to present that I do a good job at work, but I don't really know what I'm doing, and I'd really rather not be there. I like to think that I'm a bit of a people person, but I really don't like people. Well, most of the things that show my weakness, I, I wish that I had the discipline to, to eat better, to exercise, to do all of those things. But if you look up the word undisciplined, <laughs> my picture would be right there. I wish I were different. I wish that my efforts were, were met with more accolades and that somebody, somebody would notice and just drop a compliment every now and then because deep down that's really what drives me. I wish that I was in a more visible position that somehow, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I need some outside validation that what I'm doing is the right thing. And I put on a good front, <laughs> and it seems that everybody has bought into it. But that just makes it worse. It makes me feel like an imposter. There's actually a term for that called imposter syndrome, coined in about 1975. might have been 1978, but the main thing came out in 1975. There was a study that said um, a lot of times people who have some degree of success, whether visibly, externally, deep down, they feel like an imposter. That if anybody actually saw them as they actually were, then they wouldn't like them or that others wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate them, or they would be unmasked, hence the imposter idea, unmasked as the failure that they were, and that the success that came their way was just, just a fluke, and that it happened in spite of them, imposter syndrome. I'll boast of the things that show my weakness. I'm not that great of a, a father, or a spouse, or a parent, or a child. And the things that I've said to my mother, <laughs> boy, should step out of this pulpit right now, right? If it is necessary that I boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And on top of that, the idea that's kind of running through your mind is my guess. Not that I see the thought bubbles, but I can see the looks on your faces. And the idea running through your mind, is Pastor Hagen talking about himself or is Pastor Hagen talking about me? <laughs> and does Pastor Hagen need a little pick-me-up and a pat on the back on the way out of church? Or is he going to do the same for me? Because I could really use it. We don't really boast about our weaknesses, now do we? And why would we? 
because in your occupation, in your job, in your neighborhood, um, it's not the same as in God's church. And even in God's church, even in God's church, we want to maintain some semblance of an image because deep down, it really comes down to who do I think that I am? And who do others think that I am? And we, we construct this idea, this image of ourselves. And we work at that, and that's a good thing. We work at, at being a, an excellent employer or employee. We lurk, work at being a good parent or child. We put at least the nominal effort in, in all these areas of life. Because, because we love the idea of who we think we are. But Paul says, I'll boast of the things that show my weaknesses. Oh my goodness, if, if we're up here listing weaknesses, we won't have enough time in the day. And Jesus calls for total commitment. If anybody would come after me, he must um, you know, forego the, the funeral for his own father. Let the dead bury their own dead. If anyone would come after me, he must um, not look back to the plow and not even say goodbye to the people that he's leaving behind. If anyone would come after me, um, he must be prepared to live in such a way as to be homeless, sleeping on a park bench at best. Wow. Where's the glory? Where's the joy? And why? Does he say these things? At first it might look like there's not much of a connection between I will boast of the things that show my weakness and Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. He must um, let the dead bury their own dead. But what he's really setting up is uh, something <laughs> that I think President Eisenhower really caught on with. Um, so they call it the Eisenhower Matrix. And you, you picture like this grid of, of four blocks, right? And across the top you have things that are important and not important. And on the left-hand side you have things that are urgent and not urgent. And so what President Eisenhower would do as he would organize his day, he would look at the things that are both urgent and important, and those things would be first on his list, and then the things that are important but not urgent, and the things that are urgent but not important, and the things that aren't at all. And what Jesus is really saying to you and to me today, he asks us each to take a good hard look at our lives. Not what we think of ourselves, and not what we think our lives look like, but actually like our calendars. Because that doesn't really lie now, does it? Not the appointments on our calendars, but actually how do we spend our time. He asks us to take a good hard look at every element of our lives. At the way we spend our money. At the things that occupy our minds. At the ideas that, that fill our heads during our downtime. He asks us to take a good hard look at the attitudes that others have toward us. And he asks us, based on that, what is your priority? Based on that, based on that actual data that doesn't change, what is your priority in life? And we might admit, well, Lord, I'm more like... I'm more like this Jonah 
And I am like this Paul. This Jonah where God said, go this way, and Jonah says, I'm going that way, and God sends a fish to gobble him up, and he spits him up on the shore, stinking of fish guts, and, um, and Jonah's like, okay, <laughs> I guess I will, but I'm not going to like it. And Jonah walks through the city of Nineveh. It probably took him a good two weeks to get there, at least. And he walks through the city of Nineveh, and he's like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. He walks in the city for one day, and then goes and sits and waits. Because his message was met with repentance. Successful. And the priorities that he had, unmasked for the anger that they were, Lord, those people deserve your wrath. Echoed by James and John 800 years later, Lord, those people deserve your wrath. Should we call down fire on them, the priorities of the heart exposed for what they are in word and action, exposed for what they are in the way that we, we spend our time and our resources. Priorities of the heart. Exposed as Jonah sits there pouting outside of the city. <laughs> because he knew God would be merciful. And for you and me. Why would I boast about my weakness? Why would I get up here today and, and confess the litany of things that I left out? <laughs> so that you would look at me and see me as the human that I am. The exact same reason that Paul does. He points to himself not to say, here is what a great person I am, but to say, this demonstrates the commitment that he has had for his Savior. He went through everything, being pelted with stones and left for dead, shipwrecked, imprisoned, flogged and beaten, betrayed, stabbed in the back. And for what gain? So that Christ would be seen. So that Christ would be heard. So that Christ would be believed and Christ could build his church and Christ would be glorified. That Paul brags and he says, my priorities had been straight all along. And what did it win for me? Because that's kind of the question lingering in the back of our minds. Pastor Hagen, if my priorities aren't in line, as Jesus said, and he calls for a total commitment here, if my priorities aren't in line with my Savior, then what is in it for me? And at every step, at every step, the important and the urgent, kind of intention, right? The urgent of, um, I've got this event and it's, you know, Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. And, and it's maybe something good. Maybe something good like a community service project. Planting trees and feeding the hungry and clothing the needy. And that's good. But it's urgent. Jesus says he's important. And we consider time with the Word of God in, in worship and in Bible study and in prayer... And it doesn't look like it's that urgent. But Jesus says it's important. And even important to the point where somebody says, I've got this funeral I have to go to. And Jesus says, let them bury their own dead. But you come and follow me. What he's saying to you and to me 
Not that those things are bad. But what he's saying is he has an urgent task for his people to carry out. And so Paul says, I will boast of my weaknesses because whatever, who cares? I will talk about and brag about all the, the terrible things that I've done and the way that I have not been successful in the hopes, in the hopes that people will see how successful my Lord has been. Because when it comes down to it, friends, it's not about your commitment to your Lord. And we all know that my commitment, and if you're like me, yours to our Lord has lagged. Wow, the air conditioning just stopped right there. <laughs> we confess that our commitment to our Lord has lagged. And it shows itself in the, the invitations that don't happen. My own personal invitation of, of driving past one house on the way here. <laughs> between, you know, I live 45 seconds over that way. And I drive past this one house where I know they're new to town. I know they've got kids. I know I've had these cards for VBS since the end of last month. And it took me until this last Saturday to stop by and knock on the door. That our commitment to the Lord has not been nearly what His has been to us. But thank God for that. Thank God that He doesn't judge us by our commitment to Him. Thank God that He doesn't judge us according to the things we've left undone and the things that we've prioritized ahead of Him. Thank God for that. That most of all, most of all, your Savior prioritized you and your salvation above all things. That's the very first part of our gospel lesson today. When the days were approaching for him to be taken up, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. You see, it's not about your commitment to your Lord. It's about his commitment to you. Where he knew that on his way to Jerusalem, he was going there to be crucified, and he said, we need to get going, guys. <laughs> we got stuff to do. I got to go there. His commitment to you was such that he knew what was awaiting him there, the rejection, the humiliation, and yet, and yet, he was so determined to go there that the Samaritans, those people kind of in between in the, the middle part of Palestine, those Samaritans said, we don't want anything to do with you. If you're, if you're on your way to Jerusalem, just get on with yourself and get out of here. And James and John missed the point. <laughs> Lord, do you want us to destroy them? Echoing Jonah, Lord, are you going to call down fire and brimstone on them? And Jesus says no, because he was so absolutely committed to your salvation and mine that he didn't want anything to get in the way. That your salvation was so important to him that he urgently said, let's keep going. And so the question before us today Jesus knows the priorities of our hearts. He knows the, the schedules that we keep. And Jesus has washed that away. And now he says, follow me. That's one thing we're talking about as a congregation here over the next, next few weeks. How can, we, how can we prioritize Jesus in such a way that we can bring the word of Jesus to one more? Two more. Three more people. Even one more person. To say that Jesus cares about that person so, so very much 
that he went through hell to save them too. And that Jesus cares about the members who aren't here just as much and even more that he doesn't want them to be lost and their faith to be shipwrecked. That Jesus cares about the people in this city, this city of 500,000. That we can say he wants them to be saved too. He doesn't want to have, um, have the entire burgeoning metropolis of Toledo destroyed on the last day in judgment, fire and brimstone. The Son of Man did not come to destroy people's souls, but to save them. So the question, the question for you and me today, is Paul's boasting, even of his weaknesses, something that we should consider? Is Paul's boasting of a weak Savior who was crucified like a common criminal something that we need to reconsider? Is Paul's boasting about God's grace to them, God's grace to him, even in the ways that he has fallen short? Might that, at the very least, provide an opportunity to speak of God's grace? Because when it comes down to it, church here isn't about your pastor. It's not about, not about you, not about me, and not about the building. It's about this Jesus that we proclaim here. And we want this Jesus to be shared. And so Paul says, I don't care what it takes. If it takes boasting about my weaknesses, I'll do that all day. If it takes confessing my sin to my fellow Christian, and to hear that Jesus has forgiven you from their lips, I'll do that too. Because you see, it's not about our commitment and our priority and what we consider urgent and important. Jesus sets the schedule. He sets the agenda for you and for me. So he says, dear friend, prioritize. Prioritize what your Savior desires. That the Savior who went through hell for you wants to meet with you again. Make urgent and important the thing that has been pushed to the back burner because that's not just what you do. Urgent and important, the opportunity to say, well, I want to invite that person to church and we've got a couple of events coming up that we could invite them to. That it's both urgent and important because this Jesus, he's going to be coming back one of these days and I don't want it to be too late when that day arrives. I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. Why? Because when I boast about the ways in which I have been weak and the ways in which I have been a failure, then the focus is taken off of me and put where it really belongs on our Savior, who, for your sake and mine, became weak, became humble, who was completely, <laughs> completely committed to you and to me. The Savior who now says, follow me. You've got this period of time. Prioritize the important. Make it urgent. Amen.